Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. This is uh, this morning we're going to step into the next piece of our of the series we've been in that we've simply called Risen, and we kicked this off on Easter Sunday. And of course, what uh, what the <clears throat> the day where we celebrate the resurrection and what that is all about. And uh, and so, if you've got your U version app open, you've got your bulletin open up, um, then we're gonna go. We keep coming back to this thought. We keep jumping off of there and running down some different veins with that. And we keep coming to this thought that the resurrection of Jesus it changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. When, we, when the resurrection came on the scene, all of a sudden it redefined life. Forever it had been life, you're born, you go along, you, you, you deal with your family, you, you, you take care of yourself, you take care of your needs, you maybe have some kids, you deal with them, they run away on you and leave you high and dry and never talk to you again. And that's not true. <laughs> and so, and then you get old and your body doesn't work right when you finally understand how life works and you're finally smart enough, then your body starts quitting on you. And then all of a sudden you finally hit the end of your race and you're done and you're dead. And then that was that. And the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. And it is the promise that this is not what that that cycle is not the end of it all. And we keep coming back to Romans 6, 4. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. This is about, the resurrection is about us having a new life. It's about life being different. It's about the old one being gone and a new one showing up and there's a new way to do things and a new way to engage with life and a new way to operate. And it comes with all this wonderful new stuff and we've been looking at this resurrection life. And what does it mean? What does it mean? And of course, day one of this series, we talked about the truth that you've got to look for resurrection life. That God said that he set before us life and death, blessing and cursing and You know what? There's a lot of yuck. There just is. And it breaks my heart as your pastor when I get the text and I get the phone calls and I get the prayer requests. And and there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of yuck and there's a lot of pain. And and I hate that. And so but there's also so much beauty and so much wonder and that God is with us. He is Emmanuel. God with us in the middle of this. And we have to look. We have to look for risen life. And then we talked about the fact that we've got to hold on to hope. That we're only going to look for what we hope to find. That's the only thing we're going to look for. When as soon as we decide it's gone, there's no hope, we stop, we quit. We're only going to move forward when we can hold on to hope. And then last week we talked about, well, what do we do once we found this chunk of resurrection life? What do we do once we found something that was lost and it gets restored back to our lives? And, And we talked about that we celebrate it. And we tell somebody, we tell somebody, man, that this is what's happening. And that's what's so exciting is, is our, our testimonies, if we want to use a churchy word, are developing all the time. Our God stories are getting bigger and more intricate and longer as we are connecting with God in a deeper way as he's at work 
in our lives. This past week, my God story got bigger. I had awesome little moments where God showed up and he was at work and doing cool things in my life. And, and I love it. And so and the best way for me to, to work with that is to share it with somebody else. And that's the same thing with you. We keep this thing rolling as we look for resurrection life and we hope for it when it's not there. And then when it shows up, then we tell somebody and we, we make it expound and we, we make it bigger. And so today we're going to look and all these other things were, were real us focused. They were real us focused and the resurrection changes us. But when it begins to change us, well, then that should begin to change the way we see others. When all of a sudden I become a new person, well, then now I should begin to look at you in a different kind of way. And we're going to look at that today. In your notes there, here's this I want you to walk away with today, that we should view everyone through the light of the resurrection. You're like, well, Brandon, not everybody believes in the resurrection of Jesus. Not everybody has connected with that. Not everybody is trying to walk that out. So why am I going to throw that on them when they haven't even embraced it? It's because the reality of it still is there for them. And we have to view them through that or we will have an incomplete view. We will, we will not view the other people in our lives right if we don't view them through the light of the resurrection. Let's look at 2 Corinthians Chapter 5. We're going to jump in there in verse 14. And again, Paul's writing for the second time. That's why it's 2 Corinthians. He's writing to the church in Corinth, to the believers there. And uh, he says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And I want to pause. Because we have to understand where Paul is, is encouraging these people to step into this next verse that I'm, we're about to talk about. This is Corinth, okay? This is not Jesus or Paul writing to people who were raised in an area uh, that had a, a strong God knowledge from the, the Hebrew basis of understanding the God story through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all of those different things. There's not people that necessarily have the concept that there's, that there's one true God. In fact, Corinth was a, a very, very pagan city, if we want to use that word. It's just, it was just a very raw city, and, and there would be different places of worship, okay, and that would worship different gods, and it was very common for them there to have temple prostitutes, that part of worship was going and connecting with this prostitute, male, fem male prostitutes, female prostitutes, all different kinds of stuff. There was all different kinds of, of sacrifices, all different kinds of messed up stuff. A very, very, very different world than you and I walk around in. Even though our America is becoming more and more post-Christian, we still have this certain mindset that you and I get the pleasure, especially in West Texas, to engage with. These guys did not have that. They didn't have that at all. So they're having to view all of these people doing all these crazy things that, that, that Jesus died for. He said, because he already said that he died for all. He died for all. So now, all of a sudden, Paul comes in and begins to reframe some stuff. Let's look at, look at verse 16 now. He says, so from now on, 
We regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Not we don't regard the person who's trying to follow Christ as best they can next to us. And we feel like they're a big old hypocrite and they're, they hurt our feelings this week and they did these different things. We don't, it's not saying talking about that person. Although we don't regard that person from a person. He's that, the, the, the person who's trying to drag you off, tell you that Jesus isn't even real and you need to come worship this pantheon of gods and do all this crazy debaucherous life and call that worship. He's saying, don't view that person. Don't view anybody from a worldly perspective. People, this is radical. This, is, this changes everything. When we begin to look at the most annoying, messed up, crazed individual in our lives. Not through a worldly perspective, but through a God lens. That the resurrection makes a difference for them. That all of a sudden, they, how are they going to begin to step into it if you don't begin to engage with them like it's there for them? They can't see it yet, but if we don't engage with them like it's there for them, how in the world are they going to step into it? They're not. They're not. He says, though we once even regarded Christ in this way, we know we do so no longer. Our first place to engage us to do this may not even be our dear love for humanity. Humanity is annoying. All, everybody in this room, including me, we're annoying. I am annoying. I am. I am not an easy person to live with all the time. I forget to do stuff that's important. I do all sorts of stuff. I leave things out when I'm not supposed to. I leave tasks three quarters of the way completed and then find a new task to do because the finish line's right there. I finish it whenever I want. We're all annoying. My breath stinks in the morning. It's bad. It's the way we are. We all have our stuff. We all do. And so we have to let begin to look at this Maybe not because we are all these cute little puppies and they're so easy to love. No, all of a sudden we look up and we're the, we're the three-year-old lab who's torn the backyard to shreds. When we fell in love with our neighbor's eight-year-old lab, who's awesome and docile and sweet, and we didn't realize we had to go through year one and year two and year three and maybe even a little more. And all of a sudden, all these processors are there. Maybe it's hard to love humanity just by looking at humanity. But our first step can go, you know what? God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Maybe because God loves, maybe I can start to try to love too. Maybe I can start to try to care just because I care about him. Just because he matters to me. Man, I tell you what, one of the big woo moments in my relationship with Cutie was years ago driving down one of the streets here in San Angelo. She had come in from Odessa, and uh, we were not yet married, and we were going to go to a concert or do something, and we were <coughs> cutting through 
one of the streets here, and, and uh, I really like Mustangs. I really like classic Mustangs, and so that's my favorite car. I, Camaros are cool, too. Chevelles are awesome. Don't, don't start texting me about all the other stuff. <laughs> I like all the muscle cars. I just like Mustangs the most. And so, anyways, but my wife did not care about any of that stuff, and uh, so, but she knew it was a big deal to me. And so we are uh, driving down the road, and we're sitting there in my old pickup, and we're talking, and this car drives past us. So I, I notice the car. I notice what it is. I notice what year it is. I notice all those different things. But I'm sitting there talking to her, and she just casually says, that was a 66. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, this is the one. She's the one. Not only did she notice it was a classic Mustang, she nailed the year. She knew what it was. And little did I, I was like, oh my gosh, how did you know that? And she had got my baby sister to drive her around Odessa, find Mustangs, and identify what year they were. She studied these things. She studied. Now, she let all that information slide out of her brain. She doesn't remember any of it anymore. But for when it counted to reel me in, she had the stuff. She knew. And I tell you what, all of a sudden, I knew she wasn't that big into Mustangs. I knew that. But it was, she knew they were a big deal to me. And therefore, it was a big deal to her. And all of a sudden now, that spoke love to me like huge because she took time to learn something that mattered to me folks God loves the people that drive you up the wall he loves the people that are mean to you that are that, that have kicked you to the curb and treated you like trash he loves them now he loves you too and he hates that you were treated that way. And he doesn't somehow love them more than you. And he wants to bring restoration and, and all that to your heart. But he also wants to bring restoration to them. And we have to begin to see things through that perspective. Or we won't see. All we will see is the rawness. Not what the resurrection does. That it brings things back to the way they're supposed to be. That's what resurrection is. There was life. Then it died, and now there's life again. That's what resurrection is. And otherwise, all we will see is the brokenness. All we will see is the busted upness. All we will see is, is the, the mess, and we won't see what God wants to do. All we'll see is stuff like picture number one. <laughs> At some point, it'll come up. It's going to be awesome. It's not working. At some point, technology is awesome. All right. Well, there we go. All right. That makes me excited. Because I don't see this. I see this. That's the same car. 1968 GT500. Jesus. 
Maybe that doesn't do you. Maybe that isn't what gets you going. Maybe you have a hard time seeing something raw and broken and planted in the wrong place, seeing restoration. Maybe you're geared a little more this way. And maybe you can see some life here. And you see that, and you see that, and you see a place where maybe there was once some grandeur. Maybe there was some families have had some amazing memories, and there's been some heartbreak, and there's been some things, and nobody wants their house to look like that. So there's some stuff that's gone sideways along the way, and, and maybe most people would drive down the street and say, I don't want to mess with that, but maybe you see when you see that, maybe you see this. Maybe you see what it could be. Maybe you see where it needs to be. Maybe you see what resurrection is going to do for that. And so in one of my wife's personal favorite places to see things come to their fullness, is you start with this. And you end up with this. But you know what? If you don't know what's hiding on the inside, let's go back to that previous picture. If I saw that on the road, I wouldn't pick it up. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I, don't, I wouldn't know. I'm not trained. I can't see how a jeweler can begin to cut the facets and cut all that stuff and end up with the next. And end up with, there we go. But if I saw that on the road, I'd pick it up and go find out if it was real. But they, one is in its raw form and another is in its restored, resurrected form. And you know what? We meet people in their raw place all the time. And if all we do is view them in their rawness, we will walk past, we will ignore, we will not connect, we will not engage, and we will not put in the energy to see resurrection life come about. We won't do it. Paul keeps writing in verse 17. In fact, I want us to back up to verse 16 because we're very familiar with verse 17. So let's back up to 16. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Now, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So many times we can read that passage of scripture and think that Paul was writing verse 17 to the Corinthians to encourage them about their walk with God. And he was not. He was writing it to the Corinthian church to encourage them about the people that were driving them up the wall. He says, don't view anyone from a worldly perspective. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Quit looking at them like they're still stuck in the old one. Maybe they're in process. Maybe they're not done. Maybe they still got some work to do. Maybe all that. But you have to view them. That guy working on that house, he shows up to the job site every day seeing that finished product in his mind. 
every day. That jeweler grabs that raw stone and he puts it there on his tools and he sees that finished product every day. And it keeps him going and it keeps him moving forward. Maybe your relationships are a little raw. Get the resurrected picture. See it from God's perspective and stay engaged and keep letting God be at work. Paul was writing this to the Corinthian church so that they could engage with their culture. If they saw their culture as broken and messed up, they would walk away from it. But if they saw that the resurrection changed everything, they would engage with it. They would connect with it and they would see the finished picture. See, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself and through Christ gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Remember, see this language? He's not saying God was reconciling you to himself, not counting your sins against them. He says God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins. People you're mad at, those people you're frustrated with, he's not counting their sins against them. You might be counting their sins against them, but God's not counting their sins against them. So get on his page and see things the way he sees them. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. How in the world can God make his appeal through us if we don't see the way God sees we can't do it. It can't happen. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, as we're wrapping up this morning, I want us to have this on our brain. See, Jesus went to the cross seeing us not as we were, but as we would be. Brandon, where do you find that? I find that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He rejected its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He went all the way to the finish for the joy that was set before him. It's not saying that, Oh, the nails piercing his hands were just so much fun. The, the stripes on his back, that, yeah, that was, that, was, that was a great day at the park that day. No, that wasn't the joy. The joy was what was coming out of it. The joy was resurrection life impacting me and impacting you and changing us forever and putting us in right relationship with God. That was the joy that was set before him that you and I would no longer be alienated from, from the Trinity, from him, the Father, the Holy Spirit. And we'd be, have the work of God transforming us from the inside out that, that, that the fullness of the resurrection would be able to be at work in our lives. He went to the cross excited because you were going to be changed forever. It was joy. It was joy that took him there. Which enabled him to do things we can't even wrap our minds around. Luke 23. Here we are, we're encountering Jesus on the cross. And he says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right hand, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, 
for they do not know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. This is Jesus, God, saying, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then we would think that then this mighty move of God hits, and they all cry and drop their, their torture implements, and they change their hearts instantly, and everything just gets amazing and sweet because the love of God just got spoken from the cross of forgiveness. See what happens to Jesus right after he makes this declaration. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching. And the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers came up and they mocked him. And they offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice put above him. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And then all of a sudden begin to, to make his life easier. Jesus didn't forgive so that all of a sudden all the tension goes away. Jesus forgave because forgiveness was needed. That means you forgive and all of a sudden everything's better. Well, I forgave this person and there's still tension. Welcome to Jesus' world. He forgave and there was still tension. There was still stuff to work through. They still did. All of a sudden I forgave them and they just were mean to me. I said, I forgive you and they mocked me. Happened to Jesus. But he was able to do it. And say it, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Folks, our broken world doesn't get it. Jesus still, he hadn't changed what he said on the cross. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. We see from heaven's perspective and we go, oh Lord, they don't know what they're doing. They just spit in our face, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. They just gave us a hard time, cheated us, did all sorts of sorry stuff to us. Lord, let's forgive. They don't know what they're doing. Let's go ahead and jump to John 13, verse 34. It says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the mark. That's the mark of us. Can we try to see how God sees? Can we try to engage with God's heart? Can we begin to try to love one another? Man, that's what changes it. That's what changes it all. I'm so glad Jesus changed my heart. I'm so thankful. But I don't need him to change my eyes too. We don't need him just as a heart donor. We need him as an eye donor, too. We need to be able to see the way he sees. See, our bottom line is see others through Jesus' eyes. See others through Jesus' eyes. See, the risen life is found in trusting God to do what he said he will do. He's at work. Even when it doesn't look like he's at work, he's at work. 
and we forgive and we see people through the risen, risen, <clears throat> risen life. We see, them that, see people that way. We engage with people that way. We choose for that to be our paradigm because he is at work. He's doing good stuff whether you see it or not. And that's trust in him in the middle of the mess to go from the one place of brokenness to the place of restoration. We have to trust him in the middle of the mess. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.